Life Audio. Welcome to the Real Refreshment Podcast. Join us as we dive into motherhood at the foot of the throne with your host, Rachel Carmen. If you are tired, overwhelmed, and feeling alone, this is the place for you. A place for real moms with real stories seeking real refreshment found only in the living God. Take a minute to visit rachelcarmen.com and join the community of Real Refreshment listeners who are taking the dare to be in the Word as a top priority in the journey of motherhood. All right, let's kick off this latest episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast. Here's your host, Rachel Carmen. Hello there, I'm Davis Carmen, Rachel's husband of 36 plus years, and it's my pleasure to introduce this episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast. It's titled, Stand By Your Man. We'll be right back after this short break. But look around you, your family, your faith, they're not in the way. They are the way. From the creators of Jesus Revolution comes the incredible true story. It's going to be dangerous and scary and giving up. It's not an option. The story of one family's journey from down under to center stage. Unsung Hero, a for King and Country film starring Candace Cameron Bure and Terry O'Quinn. In theaters now. Visit unsunghero.movie to learn more. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists. The way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. We're back. This is part two of two with Rachel Carmen presenting Stand By Your Man. Enjoy. Let me read to you about something that I was stunned about because this has really become pervasive and, and it's become a joke among Christian women. And I think it's really tragic. Huge Colosseum event. At the end of it, they had a Q&A. And these are three well-known speakers that you would know. Does no one a service for me to name them? That's not the point. So we'll not name them. But one of the questions comes before this panel of internationally known speakers... What's the easiest part of marriage and what's the hardest part of marriage? So they, they dealt with the easiest part. And then the, one of the women on the panel said, but the most challenging part is, since I have two small children, well, you know what I mean, girlfriends, most of the time I'm just too tired. A friend of mine wrote this article. She actually witnessed this occur, so I'm going to read her words. To my saddened surprise, the arena of 10,000 women actually stood up and cheered. Chimes of laughter and screaming and, yeah, girl, echoed through the Coliseum. She said she often tries to creep into bed after her husband falls asleep so he won't start coming on to her. Louder cheering and the arena erupted and clapped in agreement. 
Um, and then the other, here, she says, here I was at a Christian women's conference with the trusted female leaders who were joking about avoiding their husbands in bed. At the same, uh, 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 as all the shouting and cheering continued, and these two speakers were talking about being too tired, I turned my attention to the third speaker. This very beautiful, very wise woman was silently flipping through her Bible, which she kept on her lap during the discussion. Finally, she looked up at her two fellow speakers and said very kindly but unflinchingly, Now, girls, I understand how you feel. We've all been there, myself included. I remember once creeping into the very edge of the bed so that I could avoid my husband. I know what you mean, but let me show you something. 1 Corinthians 7 Four through five, the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except for a consent for a time so that you may give yourself to fasting and prayer and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. The Colosseum's cheers changed to a disgruntled murmur. Then the other two speakers said, well, she just has a verse for everything, doesn't she? And the Colosseum erupted again. In conclusion, my friend writes, sadly, this attitude and type of thinking seems pervasive among Christian women groups. To to be of the opinion that we are never to avoid our husbands sexually except by mutual consent is a bit too conservative. Too often, women equate godly submission with being a doormat. But he calls us to rest in the pure joy of our husband's desire for us and joyfully give in to his advances. Let us not get caught up in what the culture wants us to believe about this beautiful opportunity we have to be one with our husbands. Let us embrace it. Let us take it seriously. Let us be women that are available to our husbands and respond to their advances. Now, second, I want to admonish us to be beautiful. And I'm not talking about the beauty on the outside. Anybody can throw on some paste and throw some hairspray in your hair. Anybody can do that. I'm talking about the beauty that is so down deep inside it can't help but come out. Are we working on our spirits? Are we becoming beautiful on the inside? Because that's where it's got to start. I'm 47 and I've got more things going south than ever before. There comes a point where you're fighting gravity, girls. We've got to make sure that we're beautiful on the inside and that's what's coming out. We've got to spend our time on our spirit on the inside. My mom works with Alzheimer's patients. She is a master's degree in social work. And over and over again, what she sees come out in her patients is what's been inside. And she will, not always, tragically, she's known some that would just love the Lord and were just amazing people. And then they went through this terrible disease and it went bad. But many, many times she's seen these people who meditated on scripture and worshiped God. And in their, in their most difficult time, what comes out? This beautiful spirit. Davis's grandmother had dementia in her final days. And she was one of the most beautiful people I've ever known. 
so joyfully. She chose joy at every turn. What are we choosing? Are you choosing joy? Are you choosing to be ticked off? I do not like the phrase, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. I don't want to be that mama. I I, I don't think that's funny. It's true, but I don't think it's funny. Elizabeth George says that we're the thermostat of our home, and I think she's right. We do have a tremendous amount of control and power of setting the tone in our home. What are we setting it to? Are we setting it to something beautiful and joyful and wonderful? Or are we copping an attitude and everybody knows mom's in a mood? Let us be beautiful. Let us choose joy. Let us appoint things of beauty. Let us make our homes places of beauty. Let us plant seeds and flower. Let us appreciate beauty. Let us listen to beautiful music. Let us be women who appreciate beauty. God is the author of beauty. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Let us point it out to our children. I love it when we'll go on a road trip. We kind of go on a few of those. And we actually drove from North Carolina to New York City because we had to get my son's um, and his fiance's stuff back to North Carolina. So on the way, I love it when I've got kids in a van saying, Oh, Mom, look at the poppies. Aren't they beautiful? I'm like, Thank you. We need to cultivate beauty and an appreciation for beauty in our homes and in ourselves. We need to be beautiful. And finally, I want to challenge you to be contented. Our husbands are working hard. Let us not chase after what the culture says. We always need something bigger and better and more. Let us choose contentment. When you come under your husband and are appreciative of what he provides and what he does, and you are so proud of that, that blesses him. And when you're discontent, which is what the whole culture wants you to be, and i got to tell you, the first steps to being content are, A, get off every catalog mailing list that you are currently on. B, turn off the television. I remember I was going through a period of great discontent at one point, and I realized I was only getting about five to ten catalogs every day that I was being dumb enough to sit down and look through. And, you know, those houses are always clean and beautiful because no one lives in them. And so I'm looking through and seeing what everybody else has, and I don't have that, and it was just breeding this discontent in me. We have the power to turn it off and throw it away, and we need to do that. And be content. So those are your three Bs. Next. Make home sweet home. I love these pictures, the white picket fence, the hearth, the lighting. So I have something to read to you today. I wish I had the textbook that this came out of. I have a reading to you today from a 1950s home economics textbook. They don't even do home economics anymore. Now let that sit on you. The home has become of so little value to this culture, we don't even do home economics anymore. Yikes. We don't value any of this anymore. You know, the the culture that my mother grew up in, born in 1944, the culture that she grew up in, she wore pants to school one time in all of her uh, K through 12. Different era. Different era. 
She remembers her school teachers at public school talking about the Bible. Different era. She was afraid one time she was going to get kicked out of school because she was five minutes late. Different era. Let me read to you 1950s How to Be a Good Wife. Prepare yourself. And I'm going to tell you, I get that there's cheese in here, but just listen to what was being taught in public schools in 1950. Think of 1950. Right before the onslaught of the 60s, right before the terror of the 70s. Think now with me. Have dinner ready. Plan ahead, even the night before, to have a delicious meal on time. This is your way of letting him know that you've been thinking of him and are concerned about his meals. Most men are hungry when they come home, and the prospect of a good meal is part of a warm welcome needed. Prepare yourself. Take 15 minutes to rest so that you'll be refreshed when he arrives. Touch up your makeup. Put a ribbon in your hair and be fresh-looking. He has just been with a lot of work-weary people. Be a happy thing when he comes home. Clear away the clutter. Make one last trip through the main part of the house just before your husband arrives. Gather up the school books, toys, papers, etc. Then run a dust cloth over the tables. Your husband will feel that he has reached a haven of rest and order and it will give you a lift too. Prepare the children. Take a few minutes to wash their little hands and faces if they are small. Comb their hair if necessary and change their clothes. They are his little treasures. And they would, he would like to see them playing their part. Minimize all noise. All, at the time of his arrival, eliminate all noise of the washer, dryer, dishwasher, or vacuum. Try to encourage the children to be quiet. Be happy to see him. Greet him with a warm smile and be glad that he is home. Some don'ts. Don't greet him with problems or complaints. Don't complain if he is late for dinner. Count this as a minor compared to what he might have gone through for the day. Make him comfortable. Have a cool or warm drink ready for him. Arrange his pillow and offer to take off his shoes. Hang with me. Speak in a low, soft, soothing, pleasant voice. Allow him to relax and unwind. Listen to him. You may have a dozen things to tell him, but the moment of his arrival is not the time. Let him talk first. Make the evening his. Never complain if he does not take you out to dinner or other entertainments. Instead, try to understand his world of strain and pressure. He needs to unwind and relax. The goal? Try to make your home a place of peace and order where your husband can relax his body and spirit. Oh my goodness. I get that there's cheese in here. I get there's things that we're just like, what would our culture be like if we did this? Hello there. I'm back. I'm Davis Carmen, Rachel's husband of 36 plus years. And I hope you're enjoying this presentation by Rachel titled Stand By Your Man. I know I sure am. We'll be right back after this short break. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. 
Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Well, we are back. This is a continuation of Part 2 of 2 with Rachel Carmen presenting Stand By Your Man. Can you imagine being in a 1950s? Classroom, circle the correct answer. When your husband comes home, you should A, order pizza, B, have dinner ready, C, demand that he take you out, or E, any of the above. I mean, they were actually studying this in the 1950s. I have to tell you, I think this has got some beautiful things in it. How would making home sweet home revolutionize Our homes, our homeschools, our churches, our communities, our neighbors. What if we did this? What if they were havens? That would be amazing. What if our husbands came into a place of rest and relaxation? What if he didn't slam into our every complaint? I've got a commode at my house that does not want to flush. Anybody else? (laughs) But when my husband walks in, that's not the first thing. I don't need to hand him a plunger at the door. And yet it's tempting, right? There's a, a good friends of ours, and when he comes in, he's a doctor, so he's, he has to work out a lot. But when he comes in, they have this major greeting ritual. He has three daughters and a wife. And when he comes, he's very tall. When he comes in, they have this greeting. I mean, they just celebrate. Dad is home. What if we just start, just, just pick one. Just pick one thing. What if you just celebrated when he came in the door? Do you know what the 20 most important minutes of the whole day are? First five when you wake up. Last five before he walks out of the door. First five when he walks in the door. Last five before you go to sleep. 20 most important minutes of your day. What if when he came home you greeted him? What are you saying to your children when the man comes in the door and you greet him? We have an opportunity to set the tone. We have an opportunity to raise the bar. We have an opportunity to pass on a baton. Let us do so. See, one of my goals is I want to be the house. I want to be the house that my kids want to hang out at. I want to be the house that they know their friends are welcome at. I want to be the house where there's always, I will order pizza and there are snacks in the pantry, come over, we'll pop a movie in, we'll play a game, we'll play outside. I want to be the go-to house. We have the capacity to start building that now. 
by making home sweet home. When our home is sweet home, our kids are going to want other people to come. Charles said when he was in college in New York City, he goes, I have so many people I want to bring home because they've never had this. And it's not because I'm some great decorator. It's not because I'm some amazing cook. It's because they have not ever seen sweet home. They don't know what that looks like. I challenge you, make home sweet home. And finally, no, this is not finally. Imitate Christ's selflessness. I want to challenge you to serve your husband. Most of us, like I was saying a minute ago, have a list of things we want him to do for us. I want you to fix this. I want you to do this. I want you to paint this. Call this person. Make this go away. What if our mentality was to serve them? And we can serve them in subtle ways. See, if you go back to the you, understand your man, then you'll be able to serve your man. And you'll know what's important to him. And be able to meet his needs. We need to serve him. It does, you know what? There's a line in The Incredibles, which I love that movie. If The Incredibles is really an incredible movie. You have a Disney Pixar movie with an intact family. Okay, I shouldn't have to say anything else. But then it gets better. They are the most cohesive when each one is doing what they were made to do. Awesome. Because when they're not doing what they were made to do, there's conflict and there's frustration. He's chasing police calls. She's, you know, trying to keep the kids. All Dash wants to do is run fast. Violet can't figure out if she's here or not. I mean, when they're not able, when they're suppressing what they were made to do, they cannot make it work. But when they release each other to do what they were made to do, it's incredible. So, but at one point, she's just trying to keep the home together, right? Mrs. Incredible, Elastigirl. She's just trying to hold it all together, and he's out chasing police things because he wants to do what he wants to do. And see, we can very easily, as homeschool moms, get caught up in that mentality. I just want to do what I want to do. I just want to have a homeschool day. I just want to start on time. I just want to get through this curriculum. I just want to, I, you know, you've got your pattern, right? And your husband sometimes interrupts it, Right? I want to say to you, like she said to him in that movie, it is not about you. We we need to get out of the way. We need to selflessly serve our man. We need to put his needs, like it says in Philippians 2, put his needs before ours. Think of others' needs before your own. And serve him. Consider him. I promise you there's a time to communicate what you need, but I... Too often, we are making them our servants instead of serving them. And why? Because we're caught up in the culture, and the culture is saying that that's the way to do it. They need to do this, 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 and this. I'm here to tell you, we need to be serving them. And so second dare of the day, ask your husband, what can I do to serve you today? It will rock his world. Whoa, what? And you say to yourself, I know what he'd say. Okay, so he says that. I promise you there will come a point where he'll say, you know what, if you could just pick the laundry up today, that would be a load off my mind. Or if you could just call the doctor today, or if you could just... He is going to ask you to do 
something small that's going to make all the difference to him. And you're going to have the opportunity to serve him. So let's seek to serve our man by imitating Christ's selflessness. And now, finally, talk positively to and about him. I've mentioned this several times, and that is uh, we've become caught up in what the culture says is the best thing to do and the normative thing to do and the vogue thing to do. If you turn on sitcoms today, which I strongly encourage you not to do, I would encourage you to turn them off, most of the jokes are the husband and wife making fun of each other. According to this culture, guys are all jerks and louses and incompetent. I think I covered it all. They can't handle anything. They don't even know how to change a diaper. Can't even get the trash on the curb. I mean, the com- they're always making fun of the man. He can't get it together. You know what that does? They stop trying. They stop trying. We need to make sure that we are telling our husband, he is the man. He is the man. Davis calls me, I pick up the phone, and nine out of ten times I say, hey, handsome. Little thing, big difference. I used to pick up and say, hey, big, handsome, sexy stud. But I found that on a bus or an airplane, that was a little too much information for those sitting around me. So I don't say that anymore. But I do pick up and go, hey, handsome. Little thing, big difference. That's talking positively to you. Do you know that in Scripture, men, husbands are admonished to love us. They are admonished to love us. Husbands, love your wife. And it says... Wives, respect your husband. And part, if not a a huge part of how we respect them is how do we talk to them and how do we talk about them? Does he know that you are proud of him? I am so proud of you. I am so proud of how you navigated that situation. I am so proud that you continue to go to a job that you cannot stand And you continue to go because you are determined to provide for our family. I want to thank you and tell you how proud I am of you doing that for us. I am so glad to be your wife. I am so glad for the opportunity to stand by your side. If there's anything I can do to serve you today, I want you to let me know. Our husbands need to know that we're proud of them, that we love them, that we respect them. Especially in a deep, dark, difficult time. Again, I shared with you yesterday that we went through 22 months of unemployment. And I remember being in the middle of unemployment, and Davis was networking. And this is before the bottom fell out. We were unemployed when it was like, you know, I, I liked peanuts in my Coke before anybody else. I, I, we were unemployed when nobody was unemployed. We were unemployed when people were looking at us like, get a job, unemployed. And it was like right after we got our job, two years later, the bottom fell out, and we knew more people unemployed than we knew employed. But when we were unemployed, we were the weirdos. And it was sort of like, uh, you have a master's degree, so why don't you have a job, and what are you doing wrong, and lots of judgment. And it was a very difficult time. And Davis was going to meetings, and, go, and I mean, nothing was working. 22 months, nothing was working. And I would say to him, I am so proud of you for persevering. I am so proud of you for getting up and getting dressed and going to one more meeting. I cannot tell you how, and sometimes I said it with tears falling down my cheeks, our men need to know that we're proud of them. 
They need to know that we see how hard they're working. And if it's hard, we need to acknowledge that it's hard. And if they hate it, and some of them are in jobs that they hate, and we need to tell them, I so appreciate you going and doing something that you loathe because you love me and because you're taking care of us. And if you're in a hard time financially, he needs to know you've got his back. Is there anything I can do? Tell me, do I need to cut the grocery budget? Do, I, do we need to not go on this vacation right now? Can I, what can I do? We need to verbalize that we're on their team. They need to know that. When you communicate and talk positively to him, do you know what also that communicates? That you're talking positively about him when he's not there. Ladies, we don't need to be dissing our men when they're not around. That's not funny. Our men are given to us by the mighty hand of God. And when we diss them to our friends or make fun of them or belittle them behind their back, we're dishonoring God. And that's serious. So when we talk to them, when we talk about them to other people, what we need to be saying is, I am so proud of how hard he is working and how he's doing this for us. I am so grateful to be his wife. I am so grateful that he's the father of my children. I'm so grateful for how he's persevering. We need to be talking positively about them, not just to them, but also about them. So in conclusion, wedding vows to have and to hold for better or for worse in sickness and in health for richer or for poorer, till death do we part. So next month, this is Davis and I on our 25th wedding anniversary. We celebrated, uh, it'll be three years ago in June. And we had it at our house and we redid our vows and it was glorious because all of our children were involved that we actually had a friend choreography, a dance for us that we did on the driveway. We had about 200 friends there that day. And the awesome thing about it was we, you know, our kids weren't at our first wedding. <laughs> um, so we, uh, we had an opportunity to do it with them. My son, my two oldest sons walked me down the aisle, and the, the little boys were there and the girls, and it was just a glorious day. Well, um, on June 7th, my oldest son, Mr. Charles Carmen, will marry his fiancée, and I will be the mother of the groom. And I will sit in a mint green dress, and I will cry. Because 27 years ago, when I walked down the aisle and married Davis, and I said those vows, I didn't know what they meant. I was barely 20, and he was so dreamy. And it was, everything was, the music was beautiful and the cake was delicious and everything was going to be grand. And now 27 years later, I know what it means to be for richer and for poorer. And I know for sickness and in health. And I know for better and for worse. And as I sit there next month and watch my son pledge his love and make a commitment before God to his girl and for them to be bonded together as husband and wife, I will pray as I have never prayed before, for God to be glorified in their union and for them to love him more than they love each other and to seek to glorify them. I want to charge you today, submit to your man. Stand by him, love him, respect him so that God may be glorified and honored through our marriages.
Let's pray. Father God, I thank you today, Father, for the gift of marriage and the fellowship that we can have in marriage. Father, I pray that we would all embrace your plan for it. Father, I thank you so much that when Adam was in the garden, that you acknowledged how alone he was. You acknowledged that, and not only did you acknowledge it, Father, but you met his need by uniquely creating Eve just for him. And Father, as we're in this room today, you've given us a husband just for us. And it's easy, Father, the enemy loves it, Father, when we concentrate on all of their failures and shortcomings and all the things that they do wrong, ignoring all of our junk. Father, I pray that we would focus on you and what it means to honor and glorify you in our marriage. Father, I pray that you would teach us the beauty of submission in our marriages. I pray, Father, that we would seek to have marriages that honor you, marriages worth defending for your glorious name. Father, thank you for walking with us today. I pray that by the might of your Holy Spirit, you would change us and grow us to be the wives that you have planned for us to be. In your son's name, amen. Thank you, ladies. You've been listening to Rachel Carmen present Stand By Your Man. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have a question or comment, we invite you to send it to info at rachelcarmen.com. And while you're at Rachel's website, check out her wonderful resources, including the Word in Motion Bible curriculum. We want to take a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. Moms, more than ever, we really do need each other. We need to be challenged, and we need accountability in the Word. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you in the next episode of The Real Refreshment Podcast. Hi, I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we're from Salty Saints Podcast. We're a theology and apologetics podcast. We hope to better equip you to be salt and light for your community. Uh, We hope that we can help you to go out and be a reflection of Jesus Christ to those around you, uh, to your friends and your family, and especially to those that do not know Christ. To find out more, subscribe at lifeaudio.com.